Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Alec Baldwin, and here's the thing. Stephen Daldry grew up in the theater. He began directing plays at age 16. He went on to run several theaters before spending most of the 1990s at the Royal Court in London. The New York Times has described the court as the most important theater in Europe. Over 10 years ago, a friend brought him a film script which he decided to direct. That film, Billy Elliot, earned him a Best Director nomination. So did his next two films, The Hours and The Reader. His fourth movie, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, opens on Christmas. It's a Christmas movie about 9-11. It's a story about a family trying to somehow not get over it and not heal, because you can't heal from that, but trying to come together again. This movie has all the trappings of Hollywood movie making. An infamous producer, Scott Rudin, and A-list stars, Tom Hanks and Sandra Bullock. But none of this seems to distract Stephen Daldry. It never feels like a big movie. It doesn't? No, it never feels like that. It always feels like something you made and something you did, you know, homemade, something you did in your workshop. And I don't know what you, who you make stuff for. I always make stuff for myself and my, right. you know, so you make stuff for your friends, yourself, and see whether it makes any sense to you. Your first film was Billy Elliot, correct? Yeah, but that was a that was a really weeny one. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. So you so you so you see where like that that was a small film, and then you uh, then we, we when we made that literally we made it for next to nothing. And right. so what's the difference? How's it changed for you since Billy Elliot to now? It hasn't. I had no pressure on this. I mean, you know, Warner Brothers were so. Uh, unbelievably supportive. It was Robinoff, Jeff Robinoff, who runs the studio, and I took the film to him, and I said, look, you know, this is what I made with your money. So I showed it to him in Pasadena with a crowd of about 600 other people, and at the end of it, he said, thanks very much. I said, oh, great. What was the genesis of the film for you in terms of, did someone come to you with a script, or you had... Rudin. Rudin had the script. Rudin had bought the book from Jonathan Safranfroer, who'd written this book called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, and he had asked Eric Roth to write a couple of drafts, which he had done. I read them both in a day and rang back and said, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Is there a difference for you in making films and producing shows and directing shows in the theater? The difference between the two 
a big difference. One is that in the theatre, everybody's in the same room. So everybody can see what the beast is. Everyone right. can see what it's made. And you start at the beginning and you finish. And the people you start with are the people you finish with. In the movies, the people you, you prep with aren't the people you shoot with. And the people you shoot with aren't the people you finish with. And the people you finish It's more like a relay race making a movie. Yeah, to me, it's more like cooking. You know, like there's a guy that makes the lettuce out in California. There's a guy that grew the tomatoes in yeah. Georgia. And none of them ever meet each other or know each other. They ship it all and... You cut it up into a salad and mix it all together. And that's why it's, it's more lonely. Because it's so compartmentalized that way. Yeah, and, you know, when you're... Actually, it's different, you know. This movie is different, and, and it's really interesting. Because on the other movies I've done, the moment of creation, the moment that you're actually making something, in the, in the past, it was only the cameraman could really see what actually you're making. The digital revolution means that on set, on this movie, for example, we had a screen. You're looking at what is going to be seen in the movies as you're shooting it. And everyone can see it. It's not like everyone's looking around a little video monitor. It's digital, so... Was this your first digital film? First digital film. And you preferred it? I preferred it. Right. And you don't buy into the nothing's richer than film, film is The film. nostalgia of film? <laughs> the romanticism of film. I don't. You just carry on. You shoot forever. Literally, you don't have to say, you know action or cut or you just you just keep rolling i mean i remember the first day that i ever shot anything on film and you know suddenly around the camera people were saying these extraordinary things to me like you know rolling you know and all these things when was that on billy elliott and people were going they're saying all these strange words you know and then everyone's looking at me and i'm going what are they doing what and you go oh i i meant to say action people really say that do they i thought it was some sort of like joke and since then, I've never really liked saying action, which is why I prefer just to keep rehearsing and roll the camera while we're rehearsing and then eventually ease into... Some people don't want to say the word action. I, th I find it bizarre myself. And what, when it freaks the actors out. Action, do it now. Turn on now. It's it like, is not very intimate. It's not. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's like an assault on the yeah. actor. I'm in bed with a woman I like when she says, action. <laughs> that, that, that revives that, me. Yeah, that gets you going. I directed a film once, and I couldn't stand it. I really didn't care for it. But I wonder, I've always wondered if I had the the inclination to absorb more about lighting and cutting and editing. And Has that been a big thing for you, this, that journey, of learning more about how films are put together? And I love editing. You do? It's my favorite bit of the process. It, it is. Why? Um, a film is written three times. You write it to start it, you then you rewrite it as you make it, and then you do the final and proper right as you put it all together. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle. If you like jigsaw puzzles, you love making movies. But it's actually putting the pieces together, finding out the rhythms. And I would imagine that the experience of editing makes anyone a better filmmaker in terms of teaching you what you need to have in the can. People say to me, you know, what should I do to learn how to make a film? Just go and buy Final Cut Pro and just start shooting stuff and then just start editing and you'll learn everything you need to know about making a movie from editing it. Did you feel that you had learned everything that you needed to learn about directing actors from your years in the theater in England in terms of directing actors for film? Was there a difference? No. It was the same? I think it's the same. How so? Well, <laughs> I... <laughs> Let it rip. Most of my life, you know, all my <laughs> life has been spent in the theater, you know. And, yes. Uh, all you need to work out with an actor is how to talk to them. And actors come with their own methodology, like you. You know, you've come with your own methodology of where you've picked up. And usually actors, a lot of actors, particularly American actors, if I may dare to say this. Let it rip. Come from a, a, some notion, some, they've picked up some ideas of what acting might be or what a, what a methodology might be. 
It's easier in Europe. It's easier in England because usually people have got a shared methodology. In other words, there's a language that people sort of understand that you can actually have a conversation about what, what literally you're meant to be doing at any one particular time. A lot of American actors got lost in this idea of the method or some sort of notion of character. They keep going on about, well, my character this, or, and you're going, what are you talking about? Where did you get this idea of character from? It's easier in Europe because people tend to be more strictly, come from a, a, a training whereby... A common training. A common training. Because there's a lot of training going on here, but that training is a different kind of training. It's a different sort of training. So the difficulty is just finding a language to talk to actors, so you can be honest. You know, one time I was watching a concert, and I was watching some famous uh, uh, musician like Tom Petty. He was performing at a benefit, and I turned to a friend of mine, and I had this chill run up my spine, and I said, do you see what these people are doing? They're all doing the same thing at the same time, and they're all of one at the same time. Do you know, it's... it's so and that doesn't happen in the theater and in acting a lot of the time. I mean, it does in England. No, no, it's really hard. It's the only, you know, people say... Sometimes people are doing their own thing. What is the job of the director? The job of the director is, you've got one job, is to make sure everybody's in the same show. Yeah. And you can have fantastic films, fantastic, fantastic theater. They're in one show, he's in another show, she's doing something else. They're all being brilliant in their own way, but they're not in the same space. Getting everybody in the same space is the hardest thing. But what's your methodology? Do you define your acting in a particular way? Well, it depends. I mean, I try to think of it in terms of a style. If I do, especially this television show now for six years, it, you, you hit a kind of a... Uh, a style that's similar to some of the theater I've done, like Orton or Hector MacArthur, where there's a kind of a farcical rhythm. There's a key you play in. Don't put a lot of unearned pauses in there. Really, pace is a big part of it. But did you train? Yeah, I went to NYU, and as I get older, everything's technical. I mean, I literally mark my lines in the scripts that I do now, like a musical score. Stop, hard consonant here, move dip, rise, all these things, emphasis. Before that, though, it was all about authenticity. I would say that method acting was about, like, if you said to me, uh, I want you to do this, I'd say, well, I've got to go meet a bunch of surgeons. Let's go find out how hard surgeons really behave in the operating room, because I don't want to do anything that's inauthentic. And then, of course, there's that famous Walter Matthau line where they said to Walter Matthau, do you want to go observe some surgery? And he said, no, I'm a movie actor. No one expects me to know anything about surgery. So we're just going to fake it and indicate it. You're absolutely right about the technical. I mean, in England, we do tend to be more technical. But American actors, you know, even... I remember, you know, I worked with Meryl Streep on a movie, and, you know, and Meryl has this, you know, extraordinary emotional ability, but she does pause before the verb. And I, get, I know why you're doing it, because you think I can't cut away. I can absolutely assure you I can cut away from you, even if you pause before the verb. And she knew she was pausing before the verb. Well, she she definitely is a maestro. <laughs> she is the maestro. Yeah, she's the maestro. Her and Nicholson, they, they know every trick there is to force the cut in the film or to uh, deny the cut in the film. That's right. It is thrilling when you go and you have a director who can help you. I've had to do what the modern actors had to do, which is to come prepared to be self-directing in case you didn't have anything for me. I it's so painful. I, and it's agonizing. Because I'd rather come and have you say to me, well, of course, it's this. And I would, don't you realize it's this? And you have got a font of information. I would go crazy. But I find it really crazy when actors come in 
self-prepared because they've done some journey that they get, and you're going, well, I, well, this is, and again, you get, they're showing you photographs of a trip they went on without you. Yeah, or, and then they, again, this comment, you know, my character, and you're going, look, it's not your character, okay, it's ours, and we're going to make it up now. Interesting, I've never heard that before, that's it. it's it, ours. It's ours, it's not your character. I'm going to remember that, it's ours. Well, my character wouldn't do that, well, let's change the character then, because we're going to do that. So, yeah. You know, what yeah, is Let's this? talk about a character that would do that. <laughs> that's right, let's change it. What do you miss about running a place like the court, which everybody just adores the work there and loves the court? Do you miss it? I miss it. And I suspect I'll go and run another theater. I mean, it's too much fun. It's about community. It's about having a community of people that you're staying with for a period of time, a number of years you commit yourself to, and trying to do something. You know, I don't know why you make work. I mean, I make work to change the world. I think that's the only reason to do anything. And getting a group of people in to start a conversation with a community and with a society you live in is going to be the greatest thing you can do. Can you do both right now or no? You certainly can't make movies and run a theater now. You can't. No, movies are too obsessive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's two years of your life. Right? Just whatever you do, it's two years, yeah. The Billy Elliot is closing on Broadway. Billy Elliot's closing on Broadway January the 8th. Well, what was the genesis of the film? How did you decide you were going to make the film? And then talk a little bit, if you would, about how the, the, the journey for, from film to Broadway and this enormously successful show on Broadway. It's a very simple tale. An old friend of mine, Lee Hall, wrote a script. I read his script and I said oh yeah that's this is great this is and you had been wanting to direct a film no no interest in films at all but I read this and I went this is great Lee this is really good you should do this film. would you want to do it I said well I don't know I'm running a theater you know but well okay let's have a go and so we made it nobody was interested by the way you know a kid who wants to be a dancer you know like please but we took it to Cannes and it the first showing in Cannes for some unknown reason Elton John was there and at the party afterwards Elton said you know this is going to be better on stage. I mean, it's a great movie, but I want to write the music for this on stage. And we went, it's Elton John, I've never met him before, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, what? Well, no, you know, thanks, but no. And then he kept on going for a Why did you say no? Because we just finished the film and... You just weren't ready to think about just that? Just not even ready for it. He was persistent and carried on and he would literally start writing stuff and write songs and he'd ring me up in my kitchen <laughs> and I'd put him on speakerphone and he'd say, look, I've written it, how, how about this one? You know, I'd be cooking in my kitchen, and then uh, and, and Elton John is serenading you on speakerphone. On speakerphone, as well, he really did fall into a kind of a Lewis Carroll hole there. I think the stage show is better than the movie. It's found its natural home. Isn't it amazing how that is a big part of this business? How you do fall into a hole one day. You weren't sitting there. I would imagine at the court saying, "I've got to get out of here and make films." You know, doesn't that happen to you every day, though? That life changes in a second. Like things just happen, you know, you're sitting on American Airlines and something happens. I mean, just Yes, <laughs> yes. Some days, some flights are different than others. I can honestly say there have been some that are more eventful than others. One such turning point for you, I think, from what I could gather from reading was that you were a clown's apprentice, correct? Yes, I was interested in circus when I was uh, finishing university. So I... I suppose I sought out this guy called Elder Maletti, who was a great Italian clown. And then I went to work with him in Italy. I worked in... How long? A year. How was that? Il Circo di Nando Orfe. It was a hard circus. I mean, it wasn't... Um, it what does was, that mean? <laughs> it, I love that. What does it mean, a hard circus? A hard circus is it's three shows daily. Uh, it's a hard schedule. A hard schedule. I was in charge of the giraffes as well. I had to look after the giraffes. And then we would travel by train, and then I would take the giraffes off the train and put them into their little 
uh, drive the giraffes. So it really is like you see in these uh, period movies where it's like Dumbo, like greatest show on earth, and everything. Where it's there's everyone's multitasking. Everyone's multitasking. You're, you're the clown, and you're cleaning the giraffe pen. Driving the giraffes through these Pompeii, you know, me, the giraffes, and Pompeii, and people talk about you know the animals being mistreated, which I. You know, people have different opinions about, but the people being so mistreated. The people. You know, who were they mistreated by? Management. Management themselves. The the hierarchy. A lot of drinking. A lot of very very tough living. It was a hard life. We were basically going to be training in Italy for a year, and then we were going to go off to Moscow State Circus. When the call, you know, okay, we're going off to Moscow now. I just went. You know what? I've done this for a year. I'm off. Your filmmaking experiences, it sounded a moment ago when we were talking like they've been relatively emotionally secure experiences for you as a filmmaker, and you've been very content and happy making films. Filmmaking hasn't been another hard circus for you? People, I I do understand a lot of filmmakers have a very hard time making films, and I've been blessed. I've got friends of mine who have that experience of sitting in the trailer and spending your whole time trying to defend what you're doing and fighting and cutting, and and I haven't had that experience. But a lot of that is because of Scott Rudin, who, for me, has always been a a huge filmmaker support, fighting for me in the right way. Where were you? I mean, this is obviously a a nauseating cliche, but where were you when 9-11 went down? With Scott Rudin. On the actual 9-11? Yeah, Scott and I were finishing a movie we made called The Hours, finishing it in London. We were in the editing room. And, uh, in London? In London. And uh, Scott got the first call, which must have been about, like... Late. 9.05. Just saying a plane's just gone into the, you know, South Tower. And then we went downstairs to the common room, the green room, as it were, and the TV already switched. In UK, the TV switched straight away to live coverage. And then we basically sat there all day making phone calls as it unfolded. And then Scott and I were stuck in London trying to get back to New York for five days. And I think that's one of the reasons why Scott sent me this book, because it was such a powerful experience for the two of us to go through that together, saying, you know, do you want to make a movie about, about that time? And so for me, with Scott, to tell, not our story, but to tell a story about one family on that day felt, uh, felt like it was something that we were both wanted to do. The age of the boy is how old in the film? 11. And the age of the actor who portrayed him? 13. Did you have like a huge nationwide talent hunt or worldwide talent hunt? You did. We did. You saw how many people for the role? 3,000. Did you? Isn't that amazing? See, people don't realize that. They like It really is kind of amazing, I think, when you say to people, you saw 3,000 people for the role of this child in this film. What was it about him that made you choose him? Scott Rudin, the producer, had seen him win Kid Jeopardy. And he remembered, there was a kid that won Kid Jeopardy last year. You should, by this point, we were at the 11th hour. And, you know, I was still going, mm, I don't think we can make the movie. Because you just hadn't felt that. I haven't really found the kid. And Warner Brothers, again, I'd said to them all the way through, you know, if we can't find the kid, you're going to spend a lot of money up front here. Pre-production, casting. But if we don't find the kid, we should really just call it a day. Again, Warner's, yeah, we agree. That's fine. You know, but we should go through this process. So, And then 11th hour, Scott remembered a kid on Kid Jeopardy, and we brought him in, and Thomas had, you know, totally different to the character. There's no loss in Thomas's life. He's a very happy kid with great family, very smart. He won Kid Jeopardy for, you know, $31,000. But I had this extraordinary emotional life, a long audition process, you know, inevitably. I took his final tape to Warner's, and I said, you know, well, yeah, I think this is the kid. If you don't agree, then we let's stop it now. And Jeff, we watched the tape together, and he said, yeah, I think that's the kid. Go make your movie.
You're listening to Here's the Thing. More from my conversation with Stephen Daldry in a minute. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit bartesian.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm talking with director Stephen Daldry. Do you find something out about yourself every film you make? Is there a part of you that you lay bare that you weren't aware of when you make a film? Everything's therapy. Right. Don't you find? Yes. I can mean, be. It, it is. Every piece of work you make, you you have to explore yourself. The reader, how, what was the therapy for you? Which I love that film, by the way. I was just I was completely smitten with that. I, I worship her. Kate, I worship her. I can't. I, I'm unabashed about it. <laughs> I am completely immune to all the charms of all movie actresses except her. I saw her at an award show, and I practically swallowed my tongue. <laughs> she is. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, the reader. I spent a lot of time in Germany as a kid. I spent you know learned German and spent a lot of time there. And the idea of of a country crippled for many generations by something that happened and how it was still coming to terms with what it went through and why it went through it and the collective guilt. So for me, yeah, it was an exploration of my school days in Germany. And what about The Hours? Well, The Hours is a, is a complicated film about... The one thing that all the films that I've made tend to have in common is they're all about loss in one way or another and what the nature of loss is. Everybody has it at some point in their lives. And that was a study in three women who were going through a profound sense of loss. Loss is really my subject. And you had two women win the Oscar <laughs> coming out of your... How did you feel about that? 
I mean, must have been enormously gratifying for you. Enormously gratifying. I mean, it's always fantastic when the actors do well, isn't it? Did you find that Kate and Nicole Kidman in The Hours, who won the Oscar for that film, did you find that they came to the party with that British sense of uh, working and the, uh, the shared experience with you? Were they more in line with that? They are. They were. And up for rehearsal. I love rehearsing. And Nicole rehearsed forever. Kate rehearsed forever. On this film, we rehearsed forever. You know, it's part of the process. And um, do you rehearse? Well, I've done films where we did some rehearsal. And uh, I remember one time when they had a very formalized rehearsal process. But it was constantly interrupted by the department heads coming in and summoning the director to go and look at something. And he'd run out. So we, you know, we had his attention you know, fleetingly. I would, I would crave that. I'd love that. So you're married. Yep. And you have a child. Yep. And you live in a, I've read about you live in a communal home. Yeah. How would you describe that? And what do you like about that? What do you prefer? Love communal living. Right. Extended family is, uh, is the way that uh, we've always lived. When I say extended family, I don't mean blood family. I mean just living in a, in a basically a commune situation. I think it's better for the kids. You know, the kids are brought up. You know, it's the old adage, but, you know, a village is better than right. <laughs> anything else. And, uh, so it's, and we're how, that's how we live in New York, and that's how we live in London. I find that very appealing. Honestly, it'll revolutionize your life. I watched Big Love, I think. I've, I've, I got smitten with that. Are you going to be involved in the Olympics? Yeah. You are? Are you really? Yeah. I'm the executive producer of the 2012 London Olympics. Why the f*** would you want to do that? Because it's the greatest collective experience I think a country can have and a city can have about sharing and welcoming the world to its home. Where do you live? I live in Meatpacking District. You live here? Live here. Kids go, why? To, kids go to school, PS3. And but why do you live here? Well, we live here and we live in London. That's what I'm saying. Because when you talk about it, I get a sense that London's really home in your heart. No, but the kids go to school here. But in your heart, I mean. You do prefer London, if you could. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't? No. It's totally shared here. But is there a sense then of some real pride you have? You want to be a part of helping London put its best foot forward in terms of the Olympics for the world? I love doing anything that's not to do with making movies or making theater. And so the idea of getting involved in the Olympics just felt like a no-brainer to me. I'm in, you know, of course. Now, why do you say anything that doesn't have to do with film and theater you're in? I mean, are you someone who you hold back and hold back and hold back and only make a film or do a play on an as-needed basis? You just can't help yourself and you cave and you do it? I've tried to resist it for as much as I can, and I would love to do something else. I came up with my ideal job the other day. It's taking me some time. I'm 53 years old, and I finally came up with it. I think I nailed it. And it may work for you, too, as well. I thought about opening a bookstore where we actually never sell any books. Everybody comes in, and I say, oh, I'll order that for you. Probably somewhere remote, so they would anticipate some kind of lag time. We get to have espressos and smoke cigars and have some nice olives and, and crudite and so forth. And I get to meet people and <laughs> be social. They'll say, when is the book coming? And I go, well, about five or six weeks, I'll, I'll call you. We never sell one book, but we have a great day. I love that idea. What, do you, what is your idea? What do you, what's your bookstore in Spain idea? What do you want to do? Town and country planning. Traffic lights, really interested in traffic lights, subway systems. So you're an engineer. Mass transit systems, love to get into all that stuff. Are you going to run for mayor of London, you I said? really love to run. I mean, <laughs> I'll run for mayor for London, but are you running for president? I, th I thought this radio show was the beginning of your, uh, you know. Is that what it is? I thought it was. I should start to rethink that. I never really thought of it that way, to use the radio show as a, as a launch pad for my political career. I never thought of that. Are you going to have a political career? I doubt it now. Really? I doubt it now. Yeah, the older I get, the more I feel that, that, that all of it has changed. I think you should run for mayor. 
Well, I don't. I, I, I've lost my appetite. I mean, I, I, I think, and plus the people that are running for mayor. I know this is terrible. I look at them and I say, I don't see myself in that crowd. They're like a guy on a date that can't. You can just tell he just can't wait to get his hand up your blouse. You know, before the, even the lights go out in the theater. They're all just so horny for it, horny for their own ascension. <laughs> Whereas for me, I've got a job now, which I got a good job. And is it the most creative thing in the world? Am I doing The Insider with Michael Mann? Am I doing some edgy, like finely chiseled social drama? No. Am I doing To Kill a Mockingbird? No, I'm doing a sitcom, but we have fun. And it's a family, and I live in New York. I've got a life. It's been a great harbor for me in my life. Give this up for what? I give up money and fame and position and success. I give up this wonderful life I have now in exchange for the chance to really change things. I'm not quite sure you can anymore. You can, believe me. Well, maybe I'll move to London. Can, can I work for you if you're mayor of London? I'll work for you if you run for mayor. I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. I think you'd be... Oh, you're directing me. Okay. Oh, this is a character we're creating. Oh, I see. I think you should run for mayor of London. I think you should run for mayor of New York, and I think you should... Don't get pessimistic about it. You can change the world. You, you don't have to answer this question because it's going to embarrass you. But I'll, I'll just tee up this ball. You're a very charismatic man. You're very charming. You are the nicest. And you're very seductive. You have a kind of a very seductive veneer to you. And I'm wondering, do you think that that helps you with what you do? Because when the guy walks in the room, or the woman, because I work with some women directors, but there's mostly men, let's face it. And when that guy walks in the room and he looks like a high school shop teacher with a bunch of pens sticking out of his pocket, you know what I mean? If he doesn't have any kind of uh, chi to him at all. You're a very seductive guy, and you're a very, very kind of appealing guy. Do you find that that works for you? Do you use that to your advantage when you're directing? Don't smirk at me. <laughs> do you? I don't know. I don't do it consciously. You don't consciously try to seduce the people you work with? It's always going to be a love affair with your actors. If you're not in love with them, it's not going to pan out. You literally have to fall in love. Or else and they with you. And they with you. And then you can... Do your actors fall in love with you? I try to make them. You do, don't you? <laughs> I bet you they do. Because it's so intimate. It's such a private and such a... And it requires such honesty. I'd never met Stephen Daldry before. And in that spirit of honesty, I figured this was my chance, even as his publicist was looking at her watch and pulling him away. But one day I'd love to talk to you about a play... Should we do one? I'd love to do a play well, with you. Well, I don't know if you're going to have time. You're not going to have any time to do a play with me. Good God, no. No, come on. We're going to do one at the public. I'm sure they'd love it. Let's see. Uh, the Hours, The Reader, extremely close with uh, Tom Hanks and Sandra Bullock. And you're going to stop all that to go do a play with me? I don't yeah, think so. I think so. I can hear your publicist really screaming now. <laughs> She's calling your agent right now. Stephen Daldry's new film, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, opens on Christmas. Thank you for coming. I'm very happy to spend the time Thank with you. Thank you so much for Seriously. Doing. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 